Today, I wanted to talk about AI, specifically as it pertains to the Hollywood landscape, because that's what I'm most familiar with. And to begin with, one of the things that I want to kind of define for us is this idea of AI. A lot of times, it's almost a singular notion, as if like there's one AI, when in fact, there's so many AI machines, right? There's ChatGPT, there's MidJourney, and so forth. In fact, if you're curious to look into what all exists, go to futurepedia.io. It's essentially a, a search engine just for AI, right? And that's important to know because in many ways, as we consider just on the large scale, this AI existential crisis, part of it is we have to understand we've interacted with AI before, we just didn't necessarily know it, but now it's just more top of mind and it seems to, you know, there's this doom and gloom about it um, from an overall narrative perspective, right? So it's important to learn that, that there's not just one singular AI, right? It's a plethora. Now, you know, there's a number of ways to come at this. And I'm going to try to be as comprehensive as I can be. But of course, it is not the totality of the conversation. In fact, that's a big component of this is that, um, that any meaningful change shouldn't come from the stage. It should come from a circle. Now, what does that fully mean? Well, it means for far too often, too few and too select people have essentially dictated the course of you know, millions, if not billions of people. And when it comes to AI, it's in many ways, it, it, it's, it's gonna move forward. Now, how it moves forward, I think it behooves us to democratize it as much as possible, aka get as many people into the conversation as we can, because if we don't, then it's going to be a, a privileged few that will dictate its nature. And so with this, does it represent all of my thoughts about AI? No, obviously. And not only that, my thoughts about it can continue to evolve. In fact, I've been meaning to do an episode like this for a while, and I haven't simply because, you know, AI seems to be moving and I want to kind of take a step back and, you know, really think about it and really consider how it all fits into my life, other people's life, the, you know, the larger context of things. And I think that's, you know, as part of that, that's, that's an important factor to consider because oftentimes... When we consume news especially, we think that we need this real-time information. But the truth is we don't. We need perspective. There's very few instances in our life where we need real-time information. Instead, perspective is much more beneficial to us. And so I wanted to really take that step back and you know, do an overall kind of deep dive to the best that I could to really consider and collect my thoughts, right? So, you know, as I look at it, um, 
AI continues to develop and change rapidly. But until in many ways it becomes specific to the end user, I don't think it's ever going to be as valuable. You know, I utilize, let's say, MidJourney, ChatGPT, and, you know, every now and then I've dabbled with a few others, but it never gets me close to a final result um, of anything that I've done, right? It's really just a tool and a starting position. Now, the best case example that I could think of um, that's gotten me close was when I needed to write a grant letter for my latest film project. Now, I didn't just tell ChatGPT, hey, go write a grant letter about this film. I said, write a grant letter, and here's various excerpts about the film, why I'm making the film, and so forth. So I fed it all this information that I already did have and had written, right? So that way it could capture my voice. It had something to go off of instead of creating from scratch. And by doing so, it got me 60% there, you know, which was very beneficial to me because then I could take that grant letter and really revise it. But it wouldn't have gotten to, to that 60% had it not been for, you know, my voice being learned inside of it, right? And I think, so when I talk about it being specific to the end user, you know, I almost look at it like as an intern, as a protege, you know, a mentee, however you want to consider it. Like that would be the best case scenario use of it where it essentially studies you and can help you out. And beyond filmmaking, like it would just be wonderful if, you know, it knew how I like to respond to emails, knew my methodology for saying yes to things, for saying no to things. And if it wasn't, you know, sure, then it would um, ask and so forth, right? But, you know, that would be extremely beneficial. Or, you know, let's say you have a dispute with the bank and like, it's like, hey, you know what? AI, go take over this. You know, I don't want to deal with this. Go do it. You know, gather all the information you, you need to. And, you know, get me my money back, essentially, right? So that's what I mean about, like, specific, you know, use. And this is in opposition currently because each of these AIs is specific to something, right? So, you know, disputing a bank charge, that could be a potential AI, sure, but now we're talking about different services for different things as opposed to you just having this one AI and molding it to what you would like it to be, right? And that to me is where the real power of it comes in, you know, as far as it being truly valuable. Because even with film, you know, um, like Midjourney, right? It, it, it's great for like concept art as a starting position. But even with that concept art, I can't get it to be exactly, I can't give it a specific change 
of like, let's say I just want a house, right? A modern house um, in the hills of Hollywood. Boom, it can create that rendering and it can create something wonderful. And I can get it close, but I can't give it the specific example of like, now make it red. Um, and now make the windows smaller and circular, right? Like there's just that inability at the moment for it to really take notes. And not just mid-journey, I'm talking about, you know, just all of AI. And, and part of it is we have to, the, 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 you know, all these things, it's learning, right? And so it's not really AI, it, it's more just like this learning interface. And then based on that, it spits out information. And like the internet and like humans, you know, it can be faulty. In fact, one thing that I've been like desperately trying to get AI to do, as I use the word all encompassingly, is to time code out Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. You know, his theatrical version, I just want a scene breakdown with time codes. You know, what happens in that scene and what's the, what's the time code that the scene starts? Can't do this. It literally can't. And I tell it, hey, this is incorrect. This is false. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just not there. And really, instead of AI, which is called artificial intelligence, it's just really deep learning. That's all it, that's all it is. And the reason I bring up the Lord of the Rings example is because the way the AI, each individual AI is coded, has inherent biases and has things that we're not even aware of, right? And much like the problems of the world at large, you know, a lot of it is coded like you know, who these coders are and, and the diversity makeup of it form the limitations of any particular AI, you know? And we don't necessarily know those limitations because obviously we are unaware of a lot of our own biases and so forth. And that presents a problem because, you know, when we want to analyze things and, 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 and look for things, it's just, it's taking, I mean, yes, um, the idea is that there's this coded software that then, and from there, it ingests a tremendous amount of data. So then it, in theory, makes up for those shortcomings. But even so, you know, how good the information is that it's taking in and the conclusions that it draws. I mean, how, you know, I mean, through, through human history, we can look at anything and, and we've made wrong assum um, assumptions about things, right? Just because we, we thought in a certain way or seen certain things, right? So there's, there's a, there's a, both a theoretical limitation as well as a theoretical infinity to what AI can do. And that's the paradox, um, you know. But I think something that Christopher Nolan talks about that's really important is 
we can't abdicate responsibility just because even in the best scenario, like AI is there. You know, we as humans love to build these machines and so forth. And, and we have this history of, well, it wasn't me. Um, or like that this solves everything. You know, take even like blind resumes at a company. In theory, that works to allow more people into the door, right? And change the makeup of a company and have it be a meritocracy and allow for people that wouldn't normally be hired because of discrimination and so forth. But there's an inherent issue because come, you know, Monday when that person is coming into work, let's say it's a black woman, guess what? There's still a black woman entering the workforce come Monday. And unless that company culture has shifted to dismantle racism, <laughs> it doesn't work, right? And so to completely just exonerate ourselves of, of having responsibility just doesn't work. And so whatever AI, right, because it's not a singular entity, we use, we have to look at it as just an extension of ourselves, no different than a cell phone and so forth. And we have to be the driving force behind all of it, right? Um, and I think that's important to know. And I'll link... Uh, I, I'll link to Christopher Nolan's, you know, full article about this, where he has his quote, um, because in that sense, I, I, I really do agree with him. Now, and I know I'm kind of going all over the board because there's many ways to, as I said, slice and dice this. Honing in on the Hollywood aspect of it, I think a couple of things. Um, as far as the actor strike is concerned, one of the main things is Hollywood wants to just be able to scan actors and then utilize them however they want, right? Their voice, their image, whatever, right? And obviously I disagree with that, but I think through technology there's an opportunity where, you know, just from a principal standpoint where ownership can be very easily traced. I mean, if nothing else, that's what the blockchain, uh, in terms of, in terms of theory offers is the ability to unalter ownership and so forth and, and, and be able to determine who's owed what. And so, it seems possible in my mind that, okay, fine, scan me, but I own the digital rights to that complete scan, you know, my likeness, my voice, and so forth. And you so use as 5% of my eyeball, you know, however derivative it is, like, I think they're, like, you know, when we talk about AI, it's more deep learning than actual intelligence. So therefore, it's derivative. And wherever it's gathering that stuff, 
then a percentage should be paid back. So as I'm sort of highlighting, if it takes 5% of my eyeball, then I'm owed money. And in theory, it should be very easy. It knows how to identify it and we can, you know, link it all up to, it just automatically goes to my bank account and boom, there's my money. You know, same thing with like, okay, if you're gonna, if AI in theory is gonna write a script, then, you know, wherever it's borrowing from, you can trace that source back and it's like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> this, this script is derivative of, of X, Y, and Z, boom, um, here's residuals, right? Like, um, and I think, if anything, when we talk about safeguards against AI, these are some of the things that I, I'm thinking about and would love to implement. You know, um, I think I've tried to list, like, there's a lot of people who are very optimistic. You know, I've listened to um, Tom Bilyeu, and he's done several episodes about AI. And they talk about, you know, in one of the episodes that, um, you know, if, if AI is going to achieve this higher level of intelligence, right, Intel, you know, um, it's almost like this very spiritual thing where by being more evolved, it can, sh you know, AI can show more compassion and love and so forth. But... In it, I mean, it's, it's almost two and a half hour conversation, so it's hard to like pin down just in a short amount of time. But I think they downplay the bad actors in all of this because in anything, there's always gonna be bad actors. And with AI, there's a mass scalability that can be reached unlike anything ever before. And certainly, you know, like when we look at bots on social media, I think it'll be interesting with more AI introduced how like distrust of social media comes into it and rather we're going to want more closed communities. I think that's going to be a byproduct of this. Um, but yeah, that's interesting to me. Um, And I also think like the idea that we can just get rid of human involvement throughout this process is a little bit ludicrous to me. I take a movie like Avatar and Avatar Way of Water, both essentially like, especially Avatar Way of Water, that movie is pretty much like all digital imagery. And yet... It could, it, 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 everything's based on real. Watch the behind the scenes features if you have a chance. They went out into like the Caribbean ocean and experimented with just these various things to try to replicate as closely as they can the various sea creatures and how would people ride on these sea creatures and how would that look like? Um, or even if they're not writing on these sea creatures, like, how would they be, right? And so everything was done 
on such a practical level to fit into a reality. And that's what translated it so well into the digital is because it was all accounted for. I think that's why a lot of movies, you know, that just rely on CGI can look bad because the, the, the physicality of it all is not taken into account. It doesn't feel real because it isn't even close to being real. And yet Avatar, something that is just completely digital, feels more real than some things that were even shot live action because it's all done with a thought on how this would be. And so that, that marriage of the real and the digital, to me, as far as Hollywood is concerned, has to be ever-present. So, yeah, and I think... You know, switching gears again, Elon Musk's wife, who's a musician, um, last I know, she put out and gave instructions of how to utilize her voice to create music. But when the music hits and it makes money, then she's owed 50%. And that's an interesting way to go about it, too, um, I think. Because it just expands you. And yes, people, people are leveraging your name, your voice, your talents. And some of the music will be terrible. But the few ones that can potentially get through would be great. Audiences love. And then you can perform them. You know, and so, and so forth, right? Like it just becomes of your becomes part of your catalog, even though like you didn't necessarily create it, but it's still your talents on display as that, which then you could on stage perform yourself in real life. So that side of it is exciting to me um, as a potential, and I think this is the stuff, if anything, as I mentioned that. I want to really consider is the individualization of AI to benefit the person. So not just like, you know, not just where like you have, let's say Photoshop and Microsoft office and, and Gmail, like, you know, where each AI is specific to one of those. It's more the AI is specific to me. That's a major component. The marriage of keeping in mind the, the, the practical aspects of the real to create the digital, um, I think is important. And the ownership aspect of being able to trace it and how that operates, which I think is, is doable, you know. Um, so as of right now, those are the things on my mind. And the fourth one, yes, it's a philosophical sort of approach, but... It's knowing that we have a responsibility to this technology rather than abdicate ourselves to it, right? And part of that is, is being in the discussion and not allowing others to just dictate the narrative. 
So... Yeah. Those are, those are the sort of key components. Um, one of the fascinating things as the strike continues will be how digital artists, and I use the term loosely, will blow the door off of Hollywood in many ways. And what I mean by this is, you know, when filmmakers were granted tools thanks to technology, so like camcorders and, you know, now cell phones and so forth, like we have the ability to, to film and edit and post like we've never had it before. And yet, there still remains the gatekeepers of Hollywood that prevent people from making, you know, full-on, amazing movies. If nothing else, because of the budget, right? You know, and who Hollywood takes a shot on, you know, that determines the artists of our day. And I think through this, there will be a reckoning with the artists that are utilizing digital tools to democratize the process and allow the market, if you will, to dictate, you know, <laughs> what's going to be good. I mean, in some ways, that's why I think, like, so many people fear TikTok, both from the perspective of, you know, as social media companies, but then also just regular people, is because... It's the first time, it's, it's a social media platform that is, that is not hinging on person-to-person -person relationships, but instead it's driven by interest. And it's massively good at finding audiences, no matter who you are, no matter how niche, right? And I think that's, that's major, right? And so when we look at Hollywood and filmmaking in particular, so many artists are still kept at bay. So many original ideas. And it'll be very fascinating to see how AI and these tools break down those barriers. You know? Um, because I think it will happen. And it'll be very interesting to also see, you know, it's like, Let's take something theoretical. If I can write a script and create digital characters and make a two-hour movie that normally would have cost $200 million and put it out there and people enjoy it, why do I even need Disney, Netflix, or whoever? I'm not saying that's the way it's going to be, but it's definitely a real possibility. And people are making those strides and, 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 you know, things are moving forward. Yes, the idea of ownership and copyright come into this, you know, because how are these AI tools creating all this theoretical movie? That's a major component of it. But it's not outside the realm of possibility. And again... If the ownership aspect is truly addressed, then actually, as of right now, 
unless I'm omitting something glaring in my thinking, which is possible, I don't mind that. And I say that because as an indie filmmaker, you know, the film market is crap. Most indie filmmakers assume all the responsibilities. So making the movie, uh, which certainly includes financing, then getting it over the finish line, getting it out there and stuff like that. And then a distributor comes in, like, all right, we'll distribute for you. Except they don't really do any marketing for it. They don't really, I mean, at most of the time, they end up on the same places that you can get an aggregator to put it up on. So meaning iTunes, Amazon, uh, Tubi, whatever the case may be. And yet, you know, they have to recoup, quote, their cost before you see anything. So it's like all their, for them, it's a numbers game, right? They'll take on a thousand indie movies because it doesn't cost them anything. And if one of them hits, great. Um, and if not, it's okay because it didn't cost them anything. And, and you know, they'll recoup whatever money they can out of that. Meanwhile, you as the filmmaker will never see a penny out of that. Um, and you've taken on the full risk and, and responsibility of that only to give the money away. I mean, that's, let's just be point blank about pretty much the state of the indie film market. So, yeah, I think anything that gives artists that way to earn money to get to their audiences, I'm in favor of. But those are the key things. Earning the money for themselves and the people they work with and finding their audience. So, you know, AI to me is just a tool as part of this. Um, and yeah, there's a sexiness to the doom and gloom of it all. And, and I certainly fear it um, in some ways. You know, I, I, I do teeter, right? But I want, in this one, I wanted to highlight kind of what I thought were the realistic outcomes um, and the realistic possibilities. And it's like with AI, you know, as far as movies and stuff like that, that I've heeded its warnings, you know, that, that's where the responsibility factor comes in. You know, we can't abdicate our responsibility to this technology. And we have to be part of the conversation because those are possibilities, right? But I also know that, you know, movies exaggerate and it's better to write, you know, something that's engrossing in that way versus something that's perhaps a little bit more realistic, right? We, we always try to extrapolate and so forth. And it's unfortunate when the dystopian nature of those ideas start to kind of come to fruition. The fact that, again, like, to me, like, the, the insidious part is not that studios would would um, scan you and stuff like that. Like, I mean, we can debate that, fine, but let's just go with the idea that it's not an insidious thing. The insidious part is they just want to pay you 100 bucks and then own you in perpetuity. That's the F you. And that's what I rail against, is, I guess best summed up, uh, furthering of the wealth gap. You know, when, if anything, in their idealized state, technology is, is to, supposed to ease all of our lives and make things more equal. But 
As always, I reserve the right to be wrong, <laughs> especially on this topic. All the same, I've been meaning to and saying that I would do an episode like this. And so I, I did it. I wanted to open up the discussion. As I said, uh, by no means is it a open and shut case. This is going to be ongoing, even for me and my thoughts. So please participate in the conversation. You know, you can certainly do so by commenting down below or hit me, hitting me up on social media at Phil Svitek. But even more so, um, just with your friends and family and, um, you know, as I had made mention, check out some of these tools, you know. Um, so you start to see what they're like firsthand and, you know, that way you can have a more meaningful discussion because certainly not seeing some of this stuff, you know, um, you know, we, we just need to be better informed and, um, you know, how the conversations happens in the larger context of it all. You know, it's not like I can pinpoint you to some sort of petition to sign or something like that, but all the same, it is important and I encourage you to be a part of the discussion because it's important. And I hope I've highlighted that, if nothing else. So thank you for taking the time to listen to my ramblings and I hope to see you 